We started a series a few weeks ago called The Good Book, and our goal is to go through 40 of the most significant events in Scripture. And so the first week we talked about creation, the next week we talked about the fall of humanity, then we talked, last week we talked about Noah and the ark, and today we're going to start talking about a guy that initially was called Abram. And Abram was a man that God had called and began to speak to that we know of when Abram was 75 years old and his wife Sarai was 65. And so he, it was a very strong calling. Later on, his name was changed to Abraham. And many of you have probably heard of Abraham and maybe even some stories, but I think a lot of times in our culture today, we don't know how significant his life was and what, what took place. And so I wanted to give you just kind of some bullet points about his life before we get into this part of his story. And so he was called by God at 75, and um, God told him that he would become a great nation and all the earth would be blessed through him. So he was 75, she was 65, and he said, and they had no kids, and God said, you're going to, you know, you're, there's going to be a great nation that comes through you. Well, they hadn't had any kids. So to become a great nation, you got to have kids. And so in time, they got impatient. Have you ever gotten impatient with God? Man, I know I have. I've gotten impatient with God. Anybody besides me you ever gotten impatient with God? Yeah. Where it's like, come on already, right? I mean, have you ever felt that way? Well, that's where Sarah got, and she said to him, she goes, you know, maybe God meant for us to have kids through my handmaid, Hagar. So see if you guys can have kids. So he's being a man, he goes, okay. And so, um, so Hagar got pregnant, and they gave uh, uh, her and Abraham had a son, named, and they named him Ishmael. And actually, he became kind of the father or the beginning of uh, the Arab, Arabic uh, people. And so, um, so Abraham was significant in that. But the truth of the matter is, is that the promise of God was intended to be for Abraham and Sarah. And so they did have a child later on. His name was Isaac. And then as a result of that, Isaac had a son named Jacob. He had Jacob and Esau, but Jacob uh, ended up having 12 sons. And his 12 sons became the uh, tribes of Israel. So one of the first things that happened as a result of Abraham's calling is that the nation of Israel was birthed through his lineage. And they became the chosen people. Now, a lot of people say, you know, we just use that term, but, you know, chosen for what? Well, they were chosen for this, and that is that God wanted to entrust people to steward his truth. He had made a promise that a Messiah would come, that a Redeemer would come, and so he wanted to make sure that that message did not get lost from generation to generation. So he chose the descendants of Abraham to steward that so that they would keep the law in front of people. They would keep Scripture in front of people. They would remind them that Messiah is coming. And so that was the responsibility of their role. And so as a result of that, when Jesus came, there were people that were looking for him because this generation of Abraham's descendants had been faithful to do that. That was what they were chosen for. But one of Abraham's, you know, his grandson was Jacob, and then Jacob's 12 kids were his great-grandsons, and one of his great-grandsons was, was one named Judah. And through Judah's uh, lineage, Jesus was a descendant of Judah. In other words, so he also came through Abraham. And as a result of that, when Jesus showed up, this fulfilled what God had told Abraham. He said, you know, through your descendants, the whole earth will be blessed. And so Jesus came as a result of that. So Abraham was incredibly significant. Even to this day, the world is impacted by him. And, by, and he was this guy that at that time, just, he was just this guy that God called and he trusted God and he 
he trained his family, taught his family the things that they should know, and was so effective at it that generation after generation for centuries kept intact the things that God had told him. So we're going to look today, and the title of our message is, Faith Isn't Safe. So grab hold of your Bible and say this with me. Say, this is my Bible. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I declare this morning, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'll be taught the Word of God. And I'll never be the same again. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 12. If you're still learning your way around the Bible, know this, that the Genesis is the very first book in the Bible. It's the Old Testament, very first book in the Bible. Genesis chapter 12, and chapter 12, verse 1 is where we'll start. And it says, it says, the Lord said to Abram, leave, everybody say leave. Leave, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And so what I want you to see, first of all, is that Abram, uh, that he was, he was 75. He was living in a land that his father had taken their family to. And so now he was 75. His wife was 65. And, uh, and he had, you know, his, uh, you know, stuff of his own. And, and um, his brother had, had, had died. And so he was taking care of his brother's son, Lot. And so God told him, he said, look, I want you to leave this. And so one of the things that we have to see is that faith always requires you to leave the familiar. Notice whenever God deals with us, that there's something that as we take a step, that it requires us to leave the familiar. Now, it's interesting when you look, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to murder the pronunciation of this, but the place that he was at was Ur of the Chaldeans, and that is in modern-day Iraq. So that's where he was, and he was called, and he left that place. He left where he was, the land he was, to go to the place that God had for him. And there's something about whenever God deals with us that it always requires us to leave something. It's not always geographical. Sometimes it's a mindset. Sometimes it's friendships. Sometimes it's, you know, our past. Sometimes it's, you know, wounds and things that identify us. But, but as we begin to follow God and begin to trust him, that one of the first places it begins with, it calls us to leave something. When Jesus called two of the disciples, he went up to me. and said, look, man, he said, up to this time, you fish for fish. He said, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. In other words, he'd called them to leave the way they saw their world. Up to that point, they helped their father in his business, and that the business was going to be there someday, and then someday they would pass that down to their kids, and it would be their kids' business. They had this encounter with Jesus, and he says, that's no longer your security, I am. So you're going to follow me. And as you follow me, that you'll no longer be fishing for fish, you'll be fishing for people. I remember, I remember when Tina and I, we had not, we were just married almost a year, and God had been dealing with me about, I, I just had this desire in my heart to do youth ministry. And it was one of those things that was so strong in me that I thought, I'll never be happy, Lord, if this is not of you, then you need to take it away, because I'll never be happy doing anything else as long as I have this in there. And it was just kind of this unquenchable thing. That was there, my heart kind of ached for it. And I remember when an opportunity arose that Tina and I were living in a little two bedroom apartment in Broken Arrow, and, and uh, 
I, I thought at one time I would live in Oklahoma all my life. I love Oklahoma. I love the people here. And yet for whatever reason that, that God was calling me to this, but he wasn't, wasn't here. And so a door opened up in Arkansas. I'm just grateful it wasn't Texas. And so, uh, just, just kidding. But I remember loading up that U-Haul. You know, my parents came over and helped us. And, you know, and on the one hand, I mean, there was an element of excitement. And my dad told me, you know, he was, just, he was helping. He said they, they cried all the way back home because, you know, it was moving away. And I just, I just remember that moment of just leaving there, just leaving that place. And just the sense that I had. I mean, and even though I was excited about it, there was also this thing of just feeling so inadequate. I remember I was praying for this couple. They were going into youth ministry, and I had a God thought. I believe it was something that the Spirit of God gave me to say to them. And it was this, and that is dependence is a good place to be. In other words, dependence upon God is a good place to be. And as I said that, I felt like it was only a word for them, but the Lord was letting me know that even though I felt uncomfortable because I didn't feel adequate to do this thing that my heart longed to do, that he was letting me know that I was actually in a good place because I put no confidence in myself. I remember, I've shared this with you, but, you know, um, the, one of the things that began to open the door up for this is I was, I was going to school, uh, going to college, I was pursuing an education degree, and I wanted to coach football, and I, so I was working with junior high students in Tulsa coaching football, and I liked that because if they didn't do what you wanted them to do, you could make them run laps, do down-ups and stuff like that. And for whatever reason in church, parents frowned upon that. You know, hey, can I pick up my son? Well, he's got 15 down-ups before I can leave. So, I mean, they just didn't like that. And so I remember that, you know, I, was, I just felt kind of awkward in church. And, and one day the guy that was teaching the Sunday school class, the junior high Sunday school class, he said, hey, do you want to teach him next week? I'm like, okay. And it was one of those things where I'm like, Oh, man, why did he ask me? Is, is he nuts? I mean, I'm going to do horrible. I, I can't stand that guy for asking me. I mean, just all this anxiety, you know, built up in me. And I remember that I spoke, and it was like horrible. It was, it was horrible. And so I'm like, okay, well, thank God that's over. And so like a month or two later, he came up and asked me, said, do you want to speak again? And I'm like, does he like hate these kids? I don't know. You know what's, what's the deal? And so I remember that, you know, and I was really prepared. I, you know, I went and just... Just did put a bunch of things together. And that morning as I'm walking up there to speak, this sweet little junior high girl, she turns to her friend. You know how sweet they can be. And she said, is he speaking again? I hate it when he speaks. He's so boring. And you say, what would you do? And I turned around and rebuked her. Yeah. How dare you tell the truth in church? Who do you think you, you know? No, man, she was right. I had done. I'd done horrible. So, again, I just had this sense of inadequacy. And yet the call of God was unquenchable. It was, it was unquenchable. I, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't quench that. It was, I couldn't do anything to make it go away. There was just this constant dissatisfaction, even though I felt inadequate, and the times before seemed inadequate. And yet the truth of the matter is, is that faith required me to leave this place of security. And to go to a place that I was unfamiliar with. But the Spirit of God was leading me to a place that I'd never been before. And so it made me rely upon Him. Our walk with God was never intended to be safe. It was intended to be a place where we learn to trust Him to greater degrees. And we leave things. We leave what we're familiar with. We leave what we're comfortable with. We leave attitudes that we have. 
Sometimes we have to leave relationships, friendships. But God's called us to do that. So number one is this. Faith always requires you to leave the familiar. You know, Abraham was in this place. There was a city of about 300,000 people. And yet God was calling him away from that. It was, it was like, it was a metropolitan. It was kind of a, you know, it was, it was one of the first places they think they had a written language. They think beer was invented there. For some of you, that's your patron city, you know. And so, um, and so it was a place that he was called to leave. He left that place and he went to a place that was unfamiliar because God had something for him. So let's keep reading here. So it says, so Abram departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. So he departed, headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem, there he set up camp beside the oak at Mori. At that time, the air was inhabited by Canaanites. Then, everybody say then. In other words, after he left, the, the, what he's familiar with, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I'll give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. Then Abram continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev. And so he left there, and it was after he left there that then the Lord spoke to him about some other things. If you're taking notes, here's the second thing about that. Faith takes us to what God has for us. For whatever reason, man, there are just some things that God wants to do in us that requires change on our part. In other words, that wherever I'm at, and again, it's not necessarily geographical, it could be, but sometimes it's just in a mindset that I've had, or the way that I've lived, or how I've served, that whatever he wants to do in me next, he can't do there. He has to do here. And so when Abram left, there were things that he spoke to him again, in other words, as he trusted God and left the familiar, then it took him to a place that God revealed some more things to him. You know, I don't know about you, but there are times, man, I wish God would just tell me all of it. Just show me everything that he wants me to do and what he's going to do with it and what that looks like and where it takes me. But he just doesn't do that. I, I've shared with you that I've been listening to a book. I've listened to it a few times. It's just really moved me. It's called Imagine the God of Heaven. And this pastor interviewed a bunch of different people with these near-death experiences. And it's, that's typically not my thing, but this has been so, so good. But on more than one occasion... The Lord would tell some people, he said, you need to go back and discover what your purpose is. And they would say, can't you just tell me? Can't you just tell me? And he said to one of them, he said, no. Because if I tell you, he said, you need to go back and discover it. Because as you discover it, every step along the way, you learn to trust me more. And I thought, that's so true, right? I mean, every step of the way, as I get through situations and circumstances that seem insurmountable, that seem story-changing and not in a good way, but as God proves himself to be faithful over and over again, I learn to trust him. It's no different than whenever David faced Goliath. And he stood before Goliath. And the reason why he had confidence before Goliath is he went back and related the story of when a lion came and tried to steal the sheep and, lay it, and David killed the lion. And a bear came and tried to steal the sheep and David killed the bear. He had confidence to stand before Goliath because in every one of those situations, God revealed to him that he is faithful. And he's faithful before the lion and he's faithful before the bear. And the same God is faithful before Goliath. And so he was able to realize that and trust that along the way, yes. 
And so there's just some things. Faith isn't safe because it requires us to leave the comfortable and the familiar to go to a place that maybe we've never been before in our thoughts, in our gifting, in our calling, that it requires us to step out there and do things that we just feel so inadequate for. But dependence is a good place to be. It's a good place to be with the call of God and the leading of God. So yeah, man, the reason why the Lord doesn't show us it all at once is because he wants us to learn to trust him every step of the way. I know this, that the scripture says this, that that one of the things is that every time I'm faced with a situation, that the devil comes along and in my thought life, he tells me, not this time. But then I go look at the scripture and it says this, God causes us to always triumph. The devil says, not this time. And, and the word says, always, he causes us to triumph. But we learn that as we trust him and as we walk in faith and we take one step after another. And every step along the way, God proves himself faithful in this moment. And then he proves himself faithful in that moment. And as we walk with him, we begin to see those things time after time. And when he got there, then the Lord began to speak to him. I found that in my own life that sometimes it's not until I take that step and I turn loose of what's comfortable, of what's been my security, and I take that next step that the Lord goes, okay, well, I, I couldn't do that in you there, but I'm going to do that in you here, and I'm going to reveal to you what it is I have for you. And so God does that. And so we see this man that God said that all the earth would be, have the opportunity to be blessed because of him, because of his obedience. That God revealed those things to him as he went. As he went. He does the same thing to you and I. To both of us. So, number two is this. Is that faith takes us to what God has for us. That it's that place that he reveals those things to us. I know that, you know, when I first, as, as, I, as I was, you know, looking at, you know, going to, into coaching and teaching and, and God kind of changed my course. I ended up going to Bible school because I felt this call to full-time ministry. And the very first place I worked for six and a half years, I didn't preach at all. Not, I mean, I, you know, they didn't have me preach at all. I worked in a mailroom. I was shipping stuff. And it felt what you would view as, well, I have a call to the ministry. If you saw what I did, it, would, it did not look menace, what we would view ministry like as. I was just serving another place. But it was while serving there that my heart was stirred for youth ministry. And because of my serving there, it caused a door to open up for me that allowed me to end up being close to New Mexico. And it was, you know, and so it was one of those things that as a result of that, that every place prepared me for the next place. And at the next place, I was, it was revealed to me not only what God's purpose was for me in that place, but what he had next for me. Because of all of that, we end up here. And I'm grateful for it. And so we begin to trust God First of all, we trust him because faith always requires you to leave the familiar, to let go of what's safe. We have to get this, that following God, the goal is not to survive. The goal is not to be safe. The goal is to trust God and to move when he says move. And as we do that, then he reveals things to us. Faith takes us what God has for us. Let's look at this last thing and we'll close with this. It says at that time, everybody say at that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt. So you wait, wait a minute. He was in the will of God, and all of a sudden a famine hits? He left this place of security with this metropolitan city and all the provision that he needs and family around to help him, and now all of a sudden that God's, you know, he's exactly where God wants him to, and he ends up in a place where there's a famine? And so, you know, I, you know, I thought he was in the will of God. Well, he was. 
But just because we're in the will of God doesn't mean that everything goes great. Doesn't mean that, you know, that all of our stuff just works out good, that every day is a good hair day, you know, and that kind of thing. I'm certainly a testimony to that. I mean, you know, and so, so it says where he lives as a foreigner. And it says, as he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarai, look, you're a very beautiful woman. Now, let me just say this. He started the conversation out really well here, right, as a husband, Sarai. You're just beautiful. Really? Thank you. But it gets worse after this. So he said, look, you're a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please tell them you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. Now, now when I read this man until I really begin to understand, it kind of bugged me, right? I mean, here's this man of God. And all of a sudden, he gets under pressure, and he's like, they're really going to be mean to me. How about if I do this? Hey, have my sister. You know, I mean, it's one of those things where you're like, wait a minute. I thought this was a man of God. I thought that this was a godly individual. And the truth of the matter is, is that when I, when I see this, I see Abram's under pressure. He's left the familiar. He goes to a place that he's not familiar with. And while he's there, things begin to get difficult and begin to get hard. And now he can't even feed his family, so he has to go to another place. And while he's going there, he feels insecure. And, you know, sometimes what happens to us is even though we can be in the will of God, that those places that are still broken in us or that we're insecure in, sometimes they expose the fact that we're still not perfect yet. Let me just say this. The life of faith, beginning to trust God, does not mean that we mature overnight. And God doesn't wait on us to get perfect before he uses us. I used to read about these guys. I used to think, well, that could never be me because, man, I just do some dumb things. So did they. So did they. And I'm reminded again that it's the grace of God that causes him to use us. I've shared with you before the part of my story, one of the things that kept me out of pulpit ministry for so long was I know me. I know the places that I don't do well in. I know the places that I'm tempted in when I'm under pressure. The places that my insecurity can be revealed all of a sudden because now I'm under pressure and my flesh immediately wants to run here to relieve the pressure, to take the pressure off of me when sometimes I'm just called to stand and face the storm. And I think so many times that we lose sight of the fact that God uses us while he's growing us. And so we look at the life of this man that God used to impact humanity, that from his family God trusted him so much that he would raise his kids in such a way that for generations that the people that came from him and his wife Sarah could be trusted to steward the things of God so that each generation could be expecting and prepared for the arrival of the Messiah. And that man, lied about his wife. I, I don't say that to point out hypocrisy. I say that to point out the grace of God. Paul, when he talked about a thorn in the flesh and the spirit of God, told him, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, whenever you're not sufficient, my grace is. When you're weak, then because of my grace, I'll make you strong, I'm strong. And so as we look at this, as this walk right here, God calls us 
even though we're flawed. He calls us even though we're flawed, even though that there's this work that he's doing in us to understand this, that when we look at Abram's life, that God calls him, and he so courageously leaves that place, and he gets to a place, and while he's, while he's at one place, God begins to speak to him and reveal all these great promises to him. And, you know, I'm sure he probably lived to think, man, Sarah, things are going to be good for us. And then he hits a season of life where all of a sudden a famine hits, and life is hard, and he's having a hard time, you know, feeding his, taking care of the people that work for him, taking care of his herds and his flocks, so bad that he has to leave the place that God had placed him for a certain period of time. And as he goes, he gets under this pressure of what are they going to do? And as a result of that, he reveals that even though God is using him, that he's still not perfect yet. I want that to be good news for me and you. If you're sitting on the sideline waiting until you get good enough, that day will never happen. God using us is just like him saving us. It's not a revelation of how good I am. It's a revelation of how good he is. It's not a revelation of how perfect I am. It's a revelation of the grace of God. The grace of God is not giving me what I deserve, but it's giving me what I don't deserve. And anything that God does for us or in us or through us is by the grace of God. And so as we begin to follow God, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get uncomfortable sometimes because it's going to pull you out into places that are new to you, places that you're just totally dependent upon God because you feel so inadequate. I'm assuming we're the same. This is my story. Well, I feel so inadequate, and yet, and yet I just feel the Spirit of God calling me to that place. But I found this out that there were times in that place that going through seasons as the guy working in the mailroom, working in the shipping department, as the guy working in youth ministry and as the ministry began to grow, and even as the guy that he let come to Claremore back to his hometown, back to his home state and start a church, that even that guy at times has not been a good husband. And God still used me. At that time, I had, there have been times I wasn't a good dad. And God still used me. At that time, there were times that I blew it as a pastor, and God still used me. There are times that I wasn't the man that he always called me to be, and God still uses me. And so as we look at this example of what faith is and what it's like to live that life, we know this, that faith isn't safe because it requires me to leave something. And one of the reasons is because for whatever reason, that whatever God wants to do in me, he can't do in me here, that something has to take place there for him to do that. And why that is, only God knows. But he doesn't wait on me to get perfect. He calls me in my flawed and my brokenness. Because not only is, my, not only is the fact that he saved me a testimony of his grace, but the fact that he uses me is a testimony of his grace. And we become trophies of the grace of God as we surrender to him, even though we're not perfect. It's a walk of faith. I want you to do this. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. And I really want us to engage with God just in this place, in this moment. Just spend time with God. Just engage with him right now. Just take a moment with him. And, and maybe for you, there's been... You know, maybe you're in that place where you just, you, God's spoken some things to you, but it just feels like it's just taken forever. But there's that ache in your heart like, you know, like I had. We're like, God, how's this going to happen? And if it's not of you, then take it away. I'm miserable. And just lean in and just let him reassure you. 
that his ways, his timing is perfect. Maybe there have been things in there that you've disqualified yourself because you see the places you need to grow. Man, just seize the grace of God. Seize the grace of God. Be a trophy of his grace. Let your imperfection declare his goodness. Let your flaws declare that he uses broken vessels. Begin to let go of, turn loose of, step away from the familiar, the safe, and wade out into the water that's uncomfortable, uncertain. When God was taking the children of Israel into the promised land, he told them this. He said, let the ark go in front of you because you've never been this way before. And the ark was where the presence of God was. And he was like, in the places that we've never gone before, the good thing about it is it positioned just behind God's presence. Once again, we're following. So let's just spend a moment with God and just make this a moment of sacrifice, commitment, surrender. Let him just do in us what only he can do. Let's just spend a moment with God.